Restoration, Revival, Reformation. This is a Renowned Faith broadcast. You can find more information at RenownedFaith.com. Now, here is J.R. Darwin. Well, everyone, welcome back. Um, I'm continuing on with a little more background about myself. And uh, today's topic, we're going to discuss when I had to leave Bible school to go to the desert, a physical desert. Not a <laughs> metaphorical one. Um, I was the my military unit was deployed to Iraq during the uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom tour. I don't know. I guess it was really difficult for me because here I'd spent a year in Bible school, then I'd spent the summer as a youth minister, and then I go back to Bible school, and I'm so close to finishing, and then my unit gets deployed, and off I go. I think one of the most difficult things about it was I was so used to being around so many people who had the same type of faith that I did, the same type of beliefs that I did. You know, because at Ramah, uh, everybody believes the same thing, pretty much, and they like it that way. There isn't room for you know, you to believe something outside of what the collective believes. In the military, of course, there were a lot of different kinds of people, you know, that I wasn't used to being around. Um, I was kind of, you know, in Bible school, I was kind of in my own little comfort zone. Yeah, I'd go out and witness the people and do stuff like that. But ultimately, you know, most of the people I hung out with and were around on a daily basis were Christian believers who held the same doctrines that I did. You know, one interesting thing about this deployment with the military was I was actually in church there at Ramah and it, during a worship service, and I felt like God was telling me that I needed to volunteer for a deployment in Iraq. And I had just had this overwhelming conviction that that's what I needed to do. The conviction was so strong that it it overwhelmed me for three or four days. And I would go into prayer before the Lord and I would say, are, we, are you sure this is what you want me to do? And I would agonize over it in prayer. Ultimately, you know, shortly after I, you know, I said, okay, Lord, I believe this is you. I'm going to travel to my unit. I'm going to go meet with them. And I'm going to put in the paperwork to be a volunteer in Iraq. A volunteer deploy. All of us are volunteer military, you know, because we're volunteer army. But um, you can also volunteer for deployments. And that's what I had decided to do. So, you know, the interesting thing about this deployment was that, you know, I volunteered for it. Ultimately, I learned later that my my unit was getting deployed anyway. And so I didn't get... uh, So I went to Iraq, the Middle East, for a year. And I can tell you that I had a hard time. I had a hard time with my faith. I had a very lonely, difficult time. You know, I began to read my Bible quite a bit, though. And the more of my Bible that I read, the more I began to realize just how much I'd discounted Bible study, just how much I had 
allowed myself to be manipulated into believing certain passages meant something that they didn't mean. That I had indeed been tricked, deceived, by not only Pentecostalism, but by the Word of Faith movement and the leadership within the Word of Faith movement. All those pastors and preachers and teachers and televangelists on uh, TBN, they duped me. And you know what? God began to just work with me in Iraq, in my isolation and in my loneliness, in my utter desperation for more of Him and to know Him more. I would cry out and I would pray, Oh Lord, all I want to know is You. You in Your truth and in Your fullness. All I want to know is Christ and Him crucified. The truth would permeate my heart that I would know and understand you. That I would know you as you are and not as a false god or idol that a man or a doctrine has built you up to be, but to know you as God, the God of the Bible, that I would have an intimate relationship with you. You see in the Word of Faith movement, in Pentecostalism, Everybody thinks they know God so well. They know His will so well. They know the truth so well. And let me tell you, I've never met a bigger group of prideful people than I have in the Word of Faith movement. Because they think they know it all. They think they have it all figured out. And they have no idea how deceived they really are. I wasn't. I bought into everything that I heard in the Word of Faith movement. I accepted it as truth without verifying it through Scripture, through prayer, and through Bible study. That's a dangerous thing, friends, when you just take another preacher or teacher's word for it instead of discovering it and studying it out yourself. You know, we can't have discernment if we don't know the Word of God. Now, when I say know the Word of God, I'm not talking about plucking out Scripture's willy-nilly, and getting them to fit into your own definition of what God should be like. I'm talking about using the time-tested skills of exegesis and hermeneutics. These are ways of studying the Bible so that it lets the Bible speak for itself and it lets the text say what it's meant to say. It doesn't take the text out of context uses the whole Word of God to let it interpret parts of the Word of God. I can't tell you how many times I've heard ministers on TBN and other places take a scripture completely out of context to make a point, and that's not right, especially when they're trying to make a point that's unbiblical and trying to make it seem biblical. My friend, that's the definition of a false teacher, to take the Word of God and pervert it and twist it. And yet nobody says a thing. Why? Why don't these large ministries call each other out? Because they're too afraid that they'll lose their own members. They're too afraid of offending people. And ultimately, I believe the reason is they're too greedy. Because it will cut into their bottom line. Or it will cut into their buddy's bottom line. And after all, maybe they won't be able to afford their uh, $25 million house and their five cars or their hundred cars, for all I know. As if all of these riches are in secret somehow. They're all plain and in the open. They're flaunted by Kenneth Copeland. Oh, he's got his own airport at his house. He's got his own this and that. And 
How many millions of dollars is it worth? And you see, these preachers, they're willing to say anything as long as they can live in wealth and riches. They're willing to tell anybody what they want to hear. My friends, stand up against it. Don't give your money to these ministries. Don't give your money to these false teachers and these false ministries. You think you're sowing a seed into good ground because of how big their ministry is? You think that their big ministry somehow um, proof of a blessing that God's hand is upon their ministry? Well, you're wrong. These ministries only grow in influence because they're preaching what people want to hear rather than what people need to hear. Stop giving them your money. It's not going to a good cause. It's not going to promote the gospel around the world like all their stupid little televangelist commercials say. It's going to pad their pockets. It's going to buy their new Mercedes and their new Lexus and their brand new houses and beach houses so they can live a life of luxury off the backs of God's people. It's a shame and it's a disgrace. And shame on us for letting it happen. You say, JR, what am I supposed to do about this? It angers me too. It upsets me too. But what am I supposed to do about it? My friends, I don't have all the answers about what we're supposed to do. But I can give you some ideas. First, we have to let people know what's going on. We have to try to help them in their deception. We have to love them. And ultimately, we have to minister truth to them. That's one big part of this podcast. First, we've got to sound the alarm. And then we have to come up with ways to minister to these people, bring them out of darkness and into light. You see, we're not only going after the lost, who don't know they're lost, but we're also going after the people in church who think they're saved. They think they're on the best track to knowing God. They think they know Him in and out. Just like the Sadducees and the Pharisees thought they knew the Scriptures so well, and yet denied the Messiah when they saw Him. My friends, we need to have a righteous indignation about these things, because they're harming the body of Christ. They are harming people. Somebody might say, how can you say these big ministries are harming people when they do so much for charities and for the poor and their outreaches? And I would say, what good are all those things without the truth of the gospel? What good are all those things if there's no fruit that comes from them? Look at their fruit. Isn't that what scripture says? We're supposed to examine it by their fruit. Let me tell you that the fruit is rotten. If it's there at all, it's a pungent odor in the nose of God. So when will the church rise up and say enough is enough? We will not have our religion taken over by these people. We will not have the cross of Christ mocked on television any longer for the sake of greediness and gain. We will not promote ministers and televangelists who live immoral and impure lives and are ultimately greedy for their own gain. Paul warns us about these things too. Look in Jude. Jude warns us about these things. How do you guys not see this? Let me ask you, if you're in the Word of Faith movement right now, how do you not see some of these scriptures? There are more scriptures in the New Testament about false teachers and false prophets than there are about speaking in tongues. Do you not understand that? There are more scriptures in the New Testament about fasting 
than there are about speaking in other tongues. And yet you emphasize speaking in other tongues as if it's the most spiritual thing a person can do. Why is there so much emphasis on speaking in other tongues? Even Paul in Corinthians says that he shows us a more better way. The more better way is the gift of prophecy and of love. And yet they want to emphasize tongues for some reason. You have to ask yourself why. What propagated this doctrine? We'll touch on that more later. We'll touch on the doctrine of tongues later. I don't want to get into it very much right now. But my point is still valid that they emphasize things that the scriptures don't emphasize. And then, when the scriptures do seem to emphasize something, they take it out of context. How many of you have been in a church where the minister is talking about money and he says, Oh, there are 2,000 and blah blah passages about money in the Bible. There are more instances of uh, money mentioned than any other topic in the whole Bible. And every time I hear it, I just have to shrug my shoulders and put my head down and moan. Because it grieves my heart to hear those things. You know, and even in my church that isn't charismatic, I've heard it from the, from the pulpit from my own minister, my own pastor. And I haven't talked to him about it yet, but I may. I heard that line so much in the Word of Faith movement because it was about money and wealth. And they would get up there during their money sermons and say, Oh, the Bible talks more about money than any other topic. As if it's somehow to justify them talking about it all the time. Or as if the, somehow the Bible emphasizes money above all other things in Scripture. I'm fed up with it. Because it's not true. Yeah, there might be a lot of Scriptures that talk about money in the Bible. But they're not talking about personal wealth of believers. Are you kidding me? The apostles of the early Christians? They were poor! Well, you don't think the apostles were... Uh, I mean, look at Paul. He didn't have a lot of money. He wasn't rich. Name me some of the apostles that were rich. Name me some of the New Testament believers that were rich. And then they want to get into, oh, Jesus was rich. Jesus wasn't rich. Creflo Dollar, Jesus wasn't rich. Jesus didn't wear designer clothes, Creflo Dollar. For those of you who don't know who Creflo Dollar is, he's a big-time, money-preaching, greedy person. I would say watch him on TBN, but I don't even think watching him has any benefit at all. For those who have watched this movement, this Word of Faith movement, and this uh, name-it-claim-it doctrine, you know who Creflo Dollar is. He's a very rich man who preaches on TV a lot, and he loves this money doctrine. Because it does, it pads his pockets. Plus, you have to wonder if he changed his last name to Dollar, or whether he was actually born with that name. Okay? Creflo Dollar, Jesus wasn't rich. He did not wear designer clothing. Okay? That's one good way. You, you go ask a, go ask a charismatic or a word of faith person, hey, was Jesus rich? We're not talking about spiritually rich. Yeah, of course. God, he's God, and he owns everything. I'm not talking about that. I'm like, I'm talking about, does he have a whole bunch of sacks of gold lying around? Or does he just have a big storehouse on the earth of uh, bars of gold? No, he was, he was materially poor. But I don't want to get into the proofs of that right now. 
You know, up until this point, I've, I've mainly been talking about my own personal experiences, and I haven't really been going too much off an outline. Basically, I'm just preaching whatever I feel like I need to preach, okay? But there will be a time in this podcast where I'm actually going to take you through scriptures and justify certain points that I'm making, but now isn't the time for that. Now's the time to preach. Now's the time to get the message out. Now's the time for you to get to understand. Now's the time for you to start to feel what this podcast is going to be all about. Yeah, we're going to, I'm going to have some great teachings. I'm going to go through doctrines. I'm going to go through Bible studies. I'm going to do all those things. But right now, I'm just going to preach because there's some things that need to be said. But I just want to thank you guys. I got a little riled up. I just want to thank you for tuning in. And uh, <laughs> this podcast was a little more rowdy than uh, normal, um, but uh, I just want to bless all of you guys and just ask you to pray about these things that I've said. Think about them, you know, and reach out to me. If you have questions, you know, I, I'll try to answer them. I, I don't know. I don't know everything. I don't know a lot. So <laughs> if you have questions, feel free to contact me through our website, RenownedFaith.com. And... Um, Maybe you have some suggestions. Maybe you just want to gripe me out about something I said. You know, I'll take criticism too. Send me your send me your critical remarks. You think I'm off base somewhere? Send me send me uh, an email, and I might even address it in a podcast. You never know. So, all right, be blessed, everybody. Thank you. That concludes today's broadcast. We hope that you will visit our website at renownedfaith.com for more information about this ministry. We humbly ask for your continued prayers.